Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. In a changing world, the church is changing youth programs. This is Raising Generations. We take an in-depth look at the changes to the Boy Scouts in Utah and the way families and our teens will be influenced. Here's Maria Chaleos on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you for tuning in to our special on Raising Generations. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints ended its relationship with the Boy Scouts of America last year, putting into effect a new initiative for children and youth programs around the world. Member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, Elder Garrett W. Gong, introduced the new initiative in November. Recently, our church leaders invited us to begin setting personal goals, spiritual, social, physical, intellectual, to grow as our Savior Jesus Christ did. Today, we introduce the whole children and youth program. In the next hour, you will hear from parents and leaders within the community on how they feel the new children and youth programs enacted in January will benefit those involved. Acting president of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles, Russell M. Ballard, explains the vision of the program. To strengthen the rising generation's faith in Jesus Christ and help children, youth, and their families progress along the covenant path as they meet life's challenges. The church embarked on this initiative to provide a more general program for youth that could be implemented throughout the world and in harmony with the teachings and principles of the church. Therefore, the separation from scouting was a natural step in the process. They brought the girls into the Boy Scout program, and it got so confusing that we just felt that to the direction they were going. That's why I say they left us in that sense. They were moving in a direction that we didn't feel was safe and the direction that we wanted for our youth. Some may feel bittersweet seeing the relationship come to an end, as scouting has been a great part of many people's lives. However, the new child and youth programs will provide unique opportunities for families to work together and set goals, and to help one another achieve them. Ultimately, Church President Russell M. Nelson says these changes are set to provide for more individualized experiences. The time has come for a new approach designed to help today's children and youth throughout the world. Instead of giving you many specific assignments, we are inviting you to counsel with the Lord about how you can grow in a balanced way. It will be rewarding and fun, but it will also take some effort on your part. 
You will need to seek personal revelation. You will need to choose for yourself how to act on it. Sometimes the Spirit may prompt you to do things that are difficult. I think you are up to the challenge. You can do hard things. Now a word to the parents. Your role is essential. Please build strong relationships with your children and youth. Leaders at church can help, but these are your children. No one can have a greater influence on their success than you. Give them love, encouragement, and counsel. But resist the temptation to take over for them. They will do best as they exercise their own agency. Parents have expressed great excitement and seek their children more in charge of their own programs. They say it gives them great responsibility and the opportunity to improve their own experience. The Lord really knows what is the perfect program for for the family and how to help our children immerse in the gospel. I had been wondering how to help my children build their testimonies and I felt like this was an answer. Are they learning how to ask? Do they know how the Spirit speaks to them? It's, it's constantly moving, we hope, in an upward direction, building one experience upon another. I mean, you want your children to develop their talents and to try new things to see what those talents are. You also want them to be able to listen to the guidance of the Holy Ghost. That's how we learn about ourselves and how we can learn about our divine identity or who we, who we really are, is by, by listening and an act according to what the Holy Ghost brings to our minds. Young people will also be learning how to lead at an earlier age and will be able to reflect on things that they want to accomplish and then set goals to attain them. Simon Greathead is the parent of four children and is also a professor at BYU. So first of all, just kind of describe your family for me. Um, I know that you have uh, two girls and two boys, but just kind of give me, give me kind of a sample of what your family looks like. Yeah, so, so my wife and I, Brooke, we have four children. We have... Uh, Luke and Chloe, they are twins, and they're 12 years old. We also have a 9-year-old boy, Logan, and an 8-year-old girl, Lexi. And uh, we have a a dog, Charlie, who's 2 years old. Okay. Well, explain for me. (laughs) So the changes with the Boy Scouts, let's let's start there. How have those changes um, really impacted your family and your son? Yeah, so I would say that the changes generally have been positive for our family. Uh, when I say positive, it's it's sort of on three different levels. The first is it, it has slowed down the number of uh, activities, requirements that our son has to do, and therefore we as a family also have to do. So we found that it's made uh, something that was rather complex in the past a lot more simple for us as a family. Um, something else that we've recognized is in the past, we, we've actually put quite a bit of money into the scouting program, and at times it, it's been a bit of a stretch for us. So it's also helped our our pocketbook, um, sort of this ability to maybe ascribe a, a, a little more money to family and family events and and to the children rather than the scouts. Um, So for us, overall, I'd say it saved us money and it's it's really helped us simplify uh, in in several ways. Now, the other side of that is we we do miss a lot of the structure of scouting. Uh, We 
we did appreciate the way that sort of the badges worked and so forth, and and that there was sort of this this path through the scouting program. I think that structure, missing that structure for us, has been a little challenging, Maria. Um, Yes, we've met with our children using the new program that the LDS Church has come out with, uh, but the reality is we've sort of dropped the ball on that. And so I think it's going to be time until we create a new structure around the new program and it is as effective as uh, the scouting program. So that's sort of some of the positives and, and negatives or the challenges, if you will, of of the new program versus what we what we'll miss about scouting. Mm-hmm. Scouting is so is so social, and you do event you know activities together. So, kind of describe what it was like before with these events that you were doing, and then um, how you're going to move forward now now that things have changed. Yeah, so so part of the benefit for our particular family is that many of the leaders who were scout leaders are now their young men's leaders and uh, young people leaders in the LDS Church uh, new program. So as far as the leadership is concerned and the mentorship from adults, that hasn't changed, and that's a very positive thing. Um, but but like you were sort of suggesting, uh, the campouts, the hikes, uh, the different skills that, that my son has learned in, in scouts, um, a lot of those things are now open up uh, are opened up for uh, for new, I suppose, new opportunities. Um, but right now, I, I don't know if we are experiencing the full social effect of the LDS program, Maria. And it'll go back to a comment I made earlier that because it's a new program, I think a lot of families uh, are p- trying to wrap, wrap their arms around how to um, not just uh, begin the program, but maintain the program. And so I think over time, the social elements will be there. But I think right now what we're just seeing is is we're trying to play catch-up to a a system that's been in place over 100 years by a new program that the LDS Church has has come out with that we need to sort of uh, normalize and and get used to and... and, uh, And then hopefully all of those social activities and so forth will will come along with it. Coming up, we hear how the changes have impacted Simon's children. Stay with us as we continue the conversation on the new children and youth programs within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Tomorrow, come back to KSL for the top stories with Jeff Kaplan and Maria Chaleos. Listen every afternoon and stay informed with KSL News Radio. Today we are talking about the changing youth programs within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Dear brothers and sisters, I promise and testify that these comprehensive adjustments under the direction of an inspired president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson, will empower and strengthen every member of the Church. Our youth will develop greater faith in the Savior, be protected from the temptations of the adversary, and stand prepared to meet life's challenges. Hear what young people are saying so far. The new church program helps young people. We now have the freedom to choose. Because everybody is different, it's growing yourself in the aspects of your life that are most important to you and becoming the best version of yourself you can be. It is a little hard thinking, what, okay, so what do I need to work on? Kind of self-evaluation. 
but once you get into it, it's really helpful. It's kind of given me like this structure in life. The Spirit is a friend who helps us, advises us, and guides us. Member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, Elder Garrett W. Gong, explains exactly what is new. What's new about the new program? Well, three things. First, the new program gives you each other, a worldwide group of awesome peers, each seeking to follow our Savior, Jesus Christ. Second, the new program brings together your gospel learning, activities and service, and personal development as you choose to grow and serve. And third, the new program helps you invite God into all aspects of your life. Individually, in your family, classes, quorums, you'll be blessed as you plan and participate, make new friends, and have fun. I'm joined by Simon Greathead, a parent who is adapting to the changes within his own home. Simon, let's continue our conversation. Earlier, we discussed how no longer having Boy Scouts has affected your household. How are your boys reacting to this? Yeah, so I have spoken with, with Luke, and of course, Logan is, is sort of coming closer to the age of being in, in the Young Men's Program. And generally speaking, it's it's been received quite positively by them. They're both very social boys, um, but as with, I think, many families, we often overbook our children, whether that be with school events, sports events, church events. And so, as is often the case in life, this really has given us an opportunity with Luke to reevaluate where he spends his time and, and hopefully refocus that time on those things that are most important. Certainly not suggesting that Scouts wasn't important, but I think with, with the new program, Luke now has an opportunity to focus on things that he, he personally wants to develop. And so the onus is, is really on us to help guide Luke into using this extra time um, wisely to, to develop himself um, as an individual rather than going through a structured system, which also has it, its own benefits. As you have been working through these changes, have, do you already see some practices that you want to put in place in your home to implement this new program? I think whenever um, we are given responsibility ourselves, to structure something which has been so well done over a hundred years, it's it's, it's a challenge, Maria. It's a challenge for me as a father and and my wife, Brooke, we've talked about this, to sort of be as effective as the system that has has been, uh, that that has provided great outcomes, I think, for young people. Uh, So, Essentially, what we're doing is we're shifting that responsibility onto the family uh, and, and, and therefore an extension to, to the church. And it's not easy. I would argue that most families are wrestling with how to make this new program as effective as, as a structured program, um, but, but with faith and with fortitude and uh, with sort of this ongoing desire to help our children be uh, the best that they can be. I think many of the objectives are the same. I just think it's going to take time for us as a family and a church to to fully utilize all these tools, like an orchestra, if you will, 
to sort of uh, create this this great melody with with our young people. And so it's going to take time, but I think it's a wonderful opportunity for us to personalize my my sons. And I, I think about my, my daughters, too, my sons and my daughters' uh, personal growth. And, and until we put in place some uh, family structures and church structures of accountability, of recognition, of, of these things, then, then it's just going to take time. But once again, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I believe the light is brighter, but it will take time. Describe for me, the youth programs also include girls. So how have your girls been impacted by changes? And maybe describe what the changes have been for them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for Chloe, of course, she was she's 12, so she was in New Women's, and then Lexi, she was in Activity Days. And so they will continue, my girls will continue their activities but I think as a family, this brings everyone on the same page. So uh, the four elements of the youth program, the physical, social, spiritual, and intellectual, we can work through those with all four of our children, say on a Monday night during family night, or we can take, I don't know, 30 minutes or an hour on Sunday. So in many respects, it really does help, I think, parents get their children on the same page as it pertains to this new youth and uh, child uh, program. I think it should should help parents. Um, so, yeah, for my girls, it, it, there will be a change, but I think the change will not be as, as, uh, as big. Thank you, Simon, for sharing your family's experiences through this situation. Coming up, we will be joined by Gaina Lynn Condi, a motivational speaker who is highly involved in the youth programs. In a changing world, the church is changing youth programs. This is Raising Generations. We take an in-depth look at the changes to the Boy Scouts in Utah and the way families and our teens will be influenced. Here's Maria Chaleos on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Today we are talking about the new global children and youth initiative of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, the new initiative replaced the church's existing children and youth programs at the beginning of the year. With me, speaker and author Gaynal Lynn Condy, and you have been a motivational speaker for years. Kind of tell us your story. How did you get involved in really delivering inspirational messages? Before my big why, which is suicide prevention and mental health awareness, my sister passed from suicide, died by suicide six years ago. And so I, sorry. Thank you. And so that's now one of my big whys. But I had started speaking uh, previous to her passing, and I had started working on my first book, but it hadn't been published yet. And and so it just kind of grew from there where um, groups had asked me, and then they went to work and told their friends that they heard me speak. I grew up in California where I was one of the token, what we used to call ourselves Mormon. <laughs> now we don't call ourselves that anymore. But previously known as, I was one of the few in my high school. And that was a really big gift for me because um, I was exposed to a lot of different faiths. But people ask me regularly about my faith. And so I like to kind of call myself a faith and hope commentator. You have had a lot of involvement in the youth programs of the church. Describe for me how you think that the new changes are going to impact youth. 
from the perspective of specifically the decentralization of EFY and the youth program um, events changing, I think there's such a power in uh, more local control and with the health crisis happening right now that you can see the wisdom in kind of decentralizing it from it being one big event at BYU or EFY specifically. I've also had the opportunity to do a number of youth conferences and young women's camps all over the world. And what I've come to know is teenagers are teenagers all over the world. The teenagers (laughs) of Lehigh, Utah are the same teenagers of the Middle East, are the same teenagers of the Philippines, that that youth today are struggling to find their own way and their identity and belonging and connection. I was just released as the personal progress leader because the program went away. And I was called after it was announced being dissolved. And I used to joke that that was like being called to be the Law of Moses director after Jesus was already <laughs> in the manger. Um, people already knew the program was going away. Scouting had already been announced that it was going away. And it was this very like ambiguous time of like how much do we push our youth and how much do we um, really engage in this program. And for me, everything has been about the Savior. And whether the vehicle is uh, a more um, – central local control of youth conferences or a more home-centered program instead of personal progress. All of these changes can feel a little disruptive at times, but I think we can start to see the wisdom in that everything is pointing us back to Christ. And for me, anything simple, the Spirit can be a part of. Everything complicated pushes the Spirit out. And so as I worked with the young women in my ward for the last year, these young women were asking powerful questions about their place in the kingdom and what work they would need to do to get ready for the Savior to come. They saw the wisdom in finishing personal progress because I told them, you're developing spiritual habits. Whether the program is called Youth and Child or the program is called Personal Progress, it's all about the Savior. And if you're doing this now, you're gaining a skill to help you. And our last meeting together I I said to them, I was the young woman when personal progress was announced. That's how old I am. I'm almost 50. And I was in young women's when it was announced. And and it's going to make me emotional, but I testified to them that that program helped me become the mom of the missionary that went out earlier. My son has been home a year from Zimbabwe. He served two years in Zimbabwe, but he was part of that flood of missionaries that went out because the age was lowered. Mm -hmm. And now I'm the mom of a 16-year-old daughter that is now doing a more self-directed, spirit-directed program. And she's not going to EFY at BYU campus anymore. She's she's doing some at-home seminary on, on Zoom because we're being self-quarantined right now, right? And so that program got me ready, hopefully, to be a very imperfect mom for my two kids who are now going to be the parents. These youth of today are extraordinary and they're asking really hard questions. And I like to brand myself as someone that's willing to have the uncomfortable conversations. I want to talk about mental health and addiction in a way that empowers our youth. I'm part of a a Come Follow Me show called Real Talk, Come Follow Me. And my co-host is a seminary teacher that deals with mental health issues. And he's really open about that. The youth of today want to talk about LGBT, addiction, um, mental health. They don't, they don't want to brush over. And the scriptures to me aren't 
brushing over anything. I mean, look at the scripture stories. These are these are brothers killing each other. These are arms being cut off. These are living in a boat for how many days mm-hmm. the Jaredites had to live with each other. And now we're all self-quarantined, trying to learn how to live together and, and not be able to go do what we normally do to get a break from one another. These scripture stories are Heavenly Father's way of giving us help and insight into the last days. And so I love these changes. I think it's exciting and it's uncomfortable. I learned while I was personal progress leader that they want the support. They want us to create an environment where they can work on things and the spirit will be there. But they really want us to let them know that we trust them and we believe in them. And each of our kids are different. I have two very different children. I have a son that's 22 and he's trying to navigate baby adult life. That's what Mm -hmm. I call young single adult, right? He's not married yet. He's post-mission. He's trying to figure out his um, career and his major and and how he's going to go for it. And then I have a 16 year old that's living through the most extraordinary time we have as an opportunity as parents to invite our daughters to understand priesthood power in a new way and our sons so that they as fathers and and husbands in the future can raise daughters and be married to women in a way that empowers them to navigate some of these really hard questions i think all of these changes and as a speaker as a as a writer, as a YouTuber, podcaster, all the platforms I try to use on social media, I keep inviting people to use whatever you're experiencing as the curriculum. The curriculum God has sent up for your plan of happiness, which is going to be different than the saints that are living in the Philippines right now or right. the saints that are living in Africa right now. So you bring up an interesting point, and that is about technology. Yeah. And how we are very lucky in this day and age to have technology with our social distancing. How in your mind is that going to change how these youth programs go forward in the next few months? Because of these platforms and the messengers that are out there right now, youth are already watching YouTube videos and combing TikTok and on Instagram, and they're trying to find connection. I think there's so much good out there, and I'm grateful we have access to that. This morning, at the time of this taping, my daughters did Zoom seminary. But youth that I know live around the world, they've been doing online seminary um, learning for a long time. And so I think we have an opportunity to invite those saints and teenagers that have already been living this way to teach and tutor us for those of us that are getting used to this. I said to my daughter, I said, how did seminary go? She goes, I loved it. And I said, why? She goes, because I was in my pajamas and I could snuggle with my dog. (laughs) Now, I'm going to be honest with you. My daughter's awesome and we have a great relationship. But she told me yesterday, I don't know if I'd love homeschooling for very long because she's missing her friends and Mm -hmm. she's missing that connection. So I think especially with regards to mental health, whether you're an adult or a teenager listening to this, connection saves lives. And if we use technology correctly... It creates connection. I also think we have a responsibility to create environments in our home where it's conducive to the spirit so that it's not just it's easy to have technology turn into watching binge watching our favorite show instead of of the instruction that maybe I think technology is a tool. But if we're not careful, it, we don't, we need to have a leash on it instead of it driving us. I've been speaking with motivational speaker Gaina Lynn Condi about changes in the church's youth programs. We will continue this conversation after the break. Stay with us. Tomorrow, come back to KSL for the top stories with Jeff Kaplan and Maria Chaleos. Listen every afternoon and stay informed with KSL News Radio.
I'm here with Gaynal Lynn Condy discussing the changes in the church's youth programs and in the world. We previously discussed how these programs can shape young people. So let's talk about how the changes can be implemented in the current pandemic environment. Church has always focused on service right, and activities. How do people continue to do that in this current environment? I pulled out some thank you cards. I love to write thank you notes. I did a text, a list of 50 people I'm grateful for, and I started texting and messaging them. I think that if you're self-quarantined, there's ways we can serve each other. Maybe you surprise someone in your house with uh, making their bed. I had an extra roll of toilet paper, so I posted on our neighborhood Facebook page. I said, would anyone like this? You don't have to be in crisis yet, but I'm happy to drop it on your porch. So we do have a list of service ideas. And brainstorm, what a great family home evening activity on how can we, in a safe way, um, still serve one another. And I think one of the things is sometimes just checking on each other, right? Sometimes it's doing an act of service. So is there ways in which we can thank each other, appreciate each other, see each other, and serve each other? I just posted a, a question on our neighborhood page, how's homeschooling going? And it was amazing the variety of responses. Some parents were like, this is wonderful. Other parents are like, we're trying to work from home, and now we're trying to school from home, and now we're trying to do church from home. It's too much. It becomes overwhelming. It becomes overwhelming. And I would say the greatest service people give me is validation, permission to have whatever feeling you want. Jesus wept. He wept. He wept for various reasons. He wept because his friend had died. He wept because he saw the faith of the Nephites as they they tried to have faith. Faith isn't knowing, it's trying. And so I think God's weeping with us because he sees we're trying. We're not doing it perfect. We're not praying perfectly. We're nothing's perfect. But we know that God is excited that we're even trying. God's plan was about mercy. It was about failing. It was about trying. And so I think we've got to be super careful whether we're talking about the new youth program and child program, whether it's now uh, youth conferences locally centered, whether it's church at home, whether it's homeschooling, whatever it is we're doing is ministering. What are we doing? My minister checked on me yesterday. That's it. She just said, how are you doing? Right? Like, do you need anything? Well, I'm going to just say to your listeners You have permission. You have permission to not have it work out today and try again tomorrow. That's what grace is. Right. We need to be kinder to ourselves. Very much. Very much. (laughs) We're hard on ourselves. Right. And we have no idea. I often say with mental health suicide prevention, you think you know who in your ward or your family or neighborhood or at work is the one struggling the most with depression. Right. And so when I talk, any chance I'm given a microphone, I say this. If you're struggling, we need you. There's no one out there that's extra. No one. And we will never be better without you. And if you're struggling long term with mental health, this is a lot right now. This is a lot on the news for the for the most mentally strong, resilient person right now. We're all vulnerable. Every family I know is dealing with something. And every individual I know has a list of things that if you ask them, hey, what is that thing on your heart that you're most worried? You know that classic thing we say to each other, like, is there anything I can do for you? We always say that and we always answer to someone, I'm fine. I'm good. Right? It's true. We always do. We need to stop with that. So my tip for everyone is stop asking each other, what can I do for you? Instead, say, what is the heaviest thing on your heart right now? What can I pray for for you? 
And I promise you, I've asked that question a thousand times. No one has ever said nothing. There's nothing on my heart. Every single one of us has something on our hearts. I just really believe that all of us need to believe in something bigger than us. For me, that's God. And my religious faith practice happens to be as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But we're all dealing with the COVID-19 crisis, that this is when faith is needed the most. And whether you're talking about mental health, teenagers, whether you're talking about um, PTSD, addiction, I really feel like the uncertainty that we are all experiencing, for me, uh, the the only thing I know how to really promote is faith. Because for me, that's what's helped me weather every storm that I've experienced from chronic illness to infertility to the suicide death of my sister. Thank you, Gaynell Lynn, for your insight today. The changes in the church's youth programs are still in their early stages of implementation. But for many, the pandemic has given them a greater purpose and a sense of urgency in finding ways to best incorporate the changes into the lives of young people. Thank you for tuning in to our special Raising Generations.